Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Sterling keeps his values. Hello and welcome to episode 19, yes 19 of the Real Football Cast. I'm your host Dan Tracy and in the next 60 minutes we will be dissecting all the hot topics in football. As per usual we'll be discussing what has been going on in the Premier League over the past few days. But in addition to that there have also been unfortunately some off-pitch activities that have caught our eye and they'll be getting quite a bit of attention in the next hour. Joining me this afternoon for another Champions League early recording is JS from the excellent Football in the City website. Now, JS, I've remembered to give you your right from plug this week, so lesson learned. But, <laughs> more importantly, how have you been, my friend? Very well, thank you, Dan. Um, well, <laughs> aside from the, uh, the, the sort of couple of catastrophic events in the last week in football, but yes, generally, personally, very well. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Just had a um, weekend in Edinburgh, saw my family. Uh, not quite relaxing, but nice to sort of see them. I've never been to Edinburgh before. Um, oh, lovely. Got some lovely pubs. Uh, that's the thing. Uh, yes, Ed- Edinburgh is gorgeous, isn't it? Yes, I mean, the city was, from what I saw of it, was good, but um, from a sort of watering hole point of view, excellent. Get yourself up there is my recommendation yep. there. Um, yep. I'd best do some social media bits first, otherwise we'll be talking to the abyss once more. First, if you want to get in touch with me, you can. That's on Twitter, at StanTrace1983. Anything show-related, please send it my way. You can find me via iTunes by searching for Real Football Cast. And if you use that platform, then don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And if you're not a fan of all things Apple, you can also find me on SoundCloud and Acast. While the easiest way to find all the links is by going to realfootballcast.com. As you should know by now, the Real Football Cast is sponsored by Loser Paul. And what is Loser Paul, I hear you ask? <laughs> it's a new game that sees betting turned on its head with a focus being on the loser. Actually, it's been going for quite a few months now. It is a game that sees betting turned on its head with a focus being on the loser. If that has grabbed your interest, then be sure to visit loserpool.com. Create an account, especially once more. There's another prize pool which guarantees a winner £1,000. And again, it's something you won't want to miss out on. Like I say, as always, the odds of winning are great, but they're even better if you sign up. Right then, it's time to go live. And it seems it's been a week where, like I say, unfortunately the headlines have been made off the pitch than a post on it. None more so than what's been going on with Raheem Sterling over the past few days. 
We'll get to the Stamford Bridge match in a bit, but let's first focus on the incident involving the Chelsea fans. Now, JS, you wrote an excellent editorial piece on your website. Um, so obviously you've covered this subject at length, but for the people who haven't been fortunate enough to read it, could you just expand slightly on your views? Uh, essentially, for me, it doesn't matter if the fan said mank or if he said black. Um, I think what it has done is propelled the the issue of you know how how sort of young black players uh, are covered in the media and other things like that. Um, Raheem Sterling made a highly articulate and excellent Instagram post, essentially saying that the media and journalists have have played their part in helping to fuel the kind of vilification of black p- footballers. And I've seen people make a lot of comparison pieces this week, and they're they're really good. I mean, for example, you know, they they contrasted how. Rain Sterling, when he bought his mum a house, they were kind of attacking him for how blingy it was and, you know, just other horrific stuff. This is the male, of course, who else? Um, and then they kind of contrasted it with when Stephen Gerrard, I think, bought a kind of $18 million um, mansion in Los Angeles when he went out there. And they were just sort of saying, oh, it's amazing. This is what you get for hard work in the game. And you, you do kind of think, like, uh, whether they're, you know, in, inherently racist, which I suspect there is a bit of that going on in the Daily Mail, is is moot. It's how you cover them. And it, it, it kind of... There's been so much negativity towards Sterling, whether it's his tattoo, his lifestyle, and all of the rest of it, that young white players just don't seem to get as much unless they do something clearly wrong i.e you know wayne rooney sleeping with that uh what was it like the 60 odd year old prostitute or what have you um it, it's just it's just hypocritical the coverage and i, I think he's right and the, the thing is it's brought it into the 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 light again and i think henry winter um had it spot on when he said this this needs to be a watershed moment we we all need to do better in the press in terms of sort of challenging that stereotyping and that narrative and actually do it not just when something springs up we need to be more consistent in writing about this stuff until it does get solved but I, I also believe we all, we all need to take collective responsibility for it. My, my main sort of thing is I hate it when people write it's only a minority, they don't represent us, and it's like, yeah, that's fine, you're not a racist, we get it, but these people do represent you, they do represent the game, and we'll, we'll need to start pulling together and take ownership of this issue instead of trying to distance ourselves from it and diminish it by saying it's it's not me, it's them. You know what I mean? It's only a tiny group. And yeah, sure, it is, it is a minority, but that doesn't make it okay. It doesn't make it okay for us as basically decent human beings to turn a blind eye and, and take that route. It's not good enough anymore. Um yeah, it's it's just grim. I, 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 there's there's nothing right about it, you know. I, th- I think how Sterling has handled it has been completely admirable. But 
we, we all need to start doing more to to tackle this now we all need to take ownership we need to recognize it's a problem like i said don't distance ourselves from it don't diminish it say yeah you know what they do represent us and that's not good enough and we all need to do better to help get rid of this cancer that runs through not just football but society as a whole absolutely i mean it's almost got two strands this well what's happened over the weekend you've got sterling's comments on Sunday with an Instagram post, and then you've got what actually happened on Saturday. So if we sort of cast our mind back to Saturday, reports are saying that the club Chelsea, they suspended four fans pending an investigation. So you don't want to jump the gun by casting aspersions and obviously innocent until proven guilty and all that. But you would think in 2018, we sort of passed all this in terms of racism on the touchlines, aren't we? And does the fact there's been a lack of damnation from the very top people like Richard Scudamore Greg Clark you know kick it out can only do so much by mm. saying how abhorrent it is where's their voices where's their damnation is that really the issue here yeah no I, I, I agree well no it's it's part of it I mean when I say all of us of course I mean us as journalists us as fans but of course some of it has to come from the governing bodies as well of course it does it has to come from the clubs I mean you know what? What? What Chelsea should have been saying is is putting out statements like, you know, we're we're investigating it. It's also in the hands of the police, so we're not going to, you know, specifically say these fans, uh, you know, have been making racist comments until we can prove it. But with the issues raised, we we still know we we need to do better because it was only like two and a half years ago. Those Chelsea fans went to Paris and were abusing black people on the on the metro. Yep. You know, it's 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 not good enough anymore. All of the clubs should come out and condemn racism in football in a proactive way, not just when something's happened. You know, they do do good things like the you know the Rainbow Laces campaign and stuff like that, and the clubs do pull together. But it's almost as if they kind of think oh, well, racism's more or less all but disappeared, so it's not as pressing an issue as, you know... F- for me, when clubs do that, and the governing bodies, it's almost like they're they're doing it because it's the kind of current, trendy thing to get in with, and if they, they don't do it, they'll get hammered for it. Do you, do you know what I mean? It's, it's a marketing thing. I'm sure some of them do believe in what they're doing, but they only do it around the top this should be a consistent thing from the clubs until it's all stamped out you know what i mean like all of the discrimination the fact that fifa and uefa have remained silent on the two big issues this week i i i just find baffling you know i know, I know the uefa president called martin solveiger an idiot in in um you know, it, it, he didn't come out and say it. I mean, I think he said it to a journalist in an interview or something. You know what I mean? He said he shouldn't be anywhere near the game. But I looked through their official channels, both in the wake of the Ada um, Hegerberg thing and in the Raheem Sterling thing. There's there's nothing condemning it from any of the governing bodies or the clubs, not not even Leon. You know, um, the, on, the only club that condemns the, the sexist comments, and they were sexist comments. It's not like there's a grey area like the Raheem Sterling thing. Um, 
you know, did he say something? Did he not? Do you do you know what I mean? They, they they're, they're just awful. You know, they, they they run all these equal game campaigns and all of the rest of it. But but for me, it's lip service. I mean, what what's the um, what's the wing of UEFA? That's the you know the equal game thing. She what's it called? Uh, she plays, is it? No, nah, it's it's something like that. It's the um, oh, we we are sh- no, it's not the she can play. They're really good. It's the we are strong or whatever it is. It's the UEFA. Yes, that's it. We thing. are strong. Yeah, you know. Or stronger together, or what, whatever it is. But uh, so uh, that's appalling. I just can't remember the name off the top of my head. It really doesn't matter, but, don't I? But, but all they did was congratulate Ada Hegerberg on winning the Ballon d'Or, as they should, and quite rightly. But they didn't con- they didn't condemn Solveig's comments, and you just kind of think like, what what are you there for then? Do you, do you know what I mean? What is the point in you? I know they're an official UEFA thing, and they. They don't want to rock the boat or do anything controversial or all of the rest of it. But they're there to promote women's equality in football. And at the historic crowning moment of glory for women's football now having equal recognition with the men and having finally having their own Ballon d'Or, Ada Hegerberg, in a historic moment, gave an inspirational speech about how young women and girls can achieve anything if they believe in themselves, to then be asked 20 seconds later by that absolute twat and professional iPod shuffler, Martin Solveig, if she can twerk. I mean, what is wrong with these people? They didn't condemn it. It's the same with Sterling as well. Nothing. You know, they, they just, they, they honestly, they sicken me. They, these are the people in power that should be coming out and condemning these actions in no uncertain terms. With with the Sterling thing, it's not a grey area. It, it it doesn't matter if he said mank or black. It's the it's the issues he raised, and even if he said mank, that kind of abuse on a touchline towards a player shouldn't be acceptable nowadays. Anyway, you know. Absolutely. I mean, you referenced the uh, Rainbow Laces campaign. I've got it in my notes here, actually, and it's just although it's a powerful message. Is it almost saying that, do you know what, it's fine to be gay this week, but then next week, football just reverts the type, doesn't it? And all that abuse comes back. So exactly. why not uphold that message every week? I'm not saying that players should have to wear rainbow laces every week, but what benefit does picking out an arbitrary date and saying, do you know what, like, it's fine this week? It, what does that really do in the grand scheme of things? Yeah, it, it, exactly. It's, I mean, obviously rainbow laces go all year you know you know what i mean that's it's uh stonewall isn't it it was it's the stonewall charity that right. it was it was their thing and they obviously attack this issue day in day out and the work they do is highly commendable but like you say if it's not going to be consistent if the clubs are only going to do it when it's the the thing to be done because if they didn't they know they'd get absolutely crucified for it in in you know on social media in the modern the modern era i want to see them doing this more consistently and yeah whilst we're whilst we're on the subject that that means supporting any any kind of minority group whether that's someone of color whether that's women not <laughs> women aren't a, a minority group i mean in in general discrimination i should have said discrimination in football you know towards women towards anyone who's gay 
and and towards any any kind of ethnic minority in the sport it needs to be more consistent like you say from the governing bodies from the from the clubs the, the journalists could do a lot more because well well you know most of the journalists will forget about this whole thing in a couple of days time you know you know what i mean the mainstream ones will just start writing about the Champions League. And yeah, no, I get it. It's their job. They have to. But you can guarantee all of this stuff, once the, the initial storm of it is blown over in, say, a week or maybe two weeks, and nothing will be done again. Nothing will be done. They'll ban the fans. But it's 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 not enough. Do you, do you know what I mean? They're, 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 they're banning fans... But that, that doesn't get to the root of the problem. It just weeds out some of the bad apples. That's not attacking the cause in a consistent way, which is what needs to be needs to be done. You know, I'm I'm committed to this long term now anyway. I mean I've always done this on football in the city. I've tried to, you know, highlight sort of various social causes and I, I will keep writing about this until people are bored as fuck with it and i'm fine with that because it needs to be said someone needs to do it on a consistent basis you know i mean football in england has obviously taken a backward step over the last few days can Mm. this be attributed to what i guess is a heightened sense of tribalism that comes from social media so for example things you wouldn't dare say face to face to someone is now being uttered in less than 240 characters as if it's the norm you know as if it's absolutely fine life goes on Oh, that, definitely. And now, because it's now seen at the norm, it's now rearing its head in stadiums once more, isn't it? So it's just... Mm. I, no I agree. And I, I, it. I, think it's, I think it's despicable. I mean, have, have you ever been, for example, I'm, I'm sure you must have, just for holding a, a fairly normal opinion about something, been called a nonce cash, casually online? Oh, yeah. do, do you know what yeah. I mean? I, I, I have. And sometimes it's stuff to do with, like, you know, me putting out a, a post in support of Ada Hegerberg or women's football or something, and then then it will be like, oh, you know, women belong in the kitchen, you nonce. And you just think, like, do you know what? You, you, you wouldn't... Uh, you know, I'm not a violent person, but if someone called me that in real life, I'd, I'd, I'd just smash them. You know what I mean? I'd, I'd just deck them for that, you know? They, they wouldn't dare do it in real life. But like you said, they feel they're kind of protected. They, they assume no one's ever going to do, like, an Eric Canson or, you know, jump in the crowd and attack them anymore. You know what I mean? Because they, they know that those players nowadays will... will probably that that would deflect what had actually happened they they know they can't do it they wouldn't get away with it in modern football you know absolutely i mean let's focus on raheem sterling quickly i mean the way he dealt with it you could argue it was a grown-up manner but it's almost sad that he just had to go and brush it off and go well it's just that's where we are in society today i mean would a reaction it's, it's not right no, no no you're right you're right dan sorry go on that's all right would a reaction from him you know had he sort of been seen to reacting to those fans what would that achieve anyway because that would, would have only really drawn more vitriol from Chelsea fans so yeah. is it a case of all you can do is get your head down and try and do the job you're employed to do which is ultimately just a game of football mm. but the thing is and I actually saw someone use this as a justification online someone someone said something along the lines of um it was like oh well you know it's, it, it, you know, he should be able to take it on 200 grand a week. And you, you just, they're like, 
what the fuck has that got to do with anything? You know what I mean? Why Why should he? You, you're saying it's okay for him to be abused, possibly and probably racially, and he has been racially abused before. You're saying that's right just because he earns a certain amount of money. They're, they're, they're not robots. You know what I mean? They're still flesh and blood. They're still human beings. Those kind of things are going to hurt them, in, you know, in a, in a massive way. And, yeah, he dealt with it well, but he shouldn't, he shouldn't have to, ever. Just the fact that he owns so much money in some people's eyes, does he become now fair game? It's because no. Of not, no, not, he don't, no, absolutely not. No, no, sorry, no, I mean... No way. I know, no, sorry, I should reword that. Do Are fans seeing him as fair game because of that? They're saying, oh, because he earns X... Yeah, it's absolutely that, fine. Let's definitely, give him but that, that's that, that's not right, and that narrative is is very dangerous. That 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 basically says because they're they're rich, you know, they're rich young men. They we can say whatever we like to them. We we can't. It's not right. You know, so, th- there's got to be a moral compass somewhere, and this isn't like some sort of weird, you know, bleeding heart liberal thing. This is just basic human decency. Do you, do you know what I mean? Fuck oh, me yeah, up. Yeah. I don't. Know, I don't know how some of these people were raised. Honestly, you know, you don't. You don't treat people like that in general. You could. You. I mean, can you imagine if you just like went to someone else's workplace, like say it was the theatre, and one of the actors was forgetting his lines or something, and you you thought it was the worst performance ever. And maybe he was black. You wouldn't start calling him a cunt and all the rest of it, would you? You just no, no, exactly. Start... Fucking, it's it's not right. I'll, one more question no. on Sterling. Then it also turns out that he was um, getting a lot of abuse in Euro 2016 and had to sort of go to Gary Neville and say, mm. "What can I do?" And I think Gary Neville said, "Well, what can you do? Like, you just got to keep playing and almost try and put an arm around him." But it's not really in Gary Neville's remit, which again is a sad indictment of where the English game is going, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, and I, to be honest, I, I, I caught it online because I'm not generally a big fan of Sky because of the made-up transfer rumours and driving betting to the betting channels and stuff. However, I think him and Carragher got the, captured the mood of what, you know, the majority of right-minded people were, were thinking about this, you know, and yeah, that, that just, that was so upsetting. I, I'd, I'd never heard that before he told that story and I'm, I'm not surprised but um the fact that i'm not surprised probably makes it even worse because like you alluded to a minute ago it's almost like it's normalized you know raheem sterling has said and I, I was speaking to one of one of um someone i follow and one of my followers a guy called freddie a young belgian lad yeah another one yeah and and he's he's mixed race and he was saying um, he was watching a United game a couple of weeks ago, somewhere in Brussels, I think. And he said the barman, like Lukaku, missed a, I don't know whether it was a penalty or a throw on goal or something. And he said he, he called him like a useless nigger. And you're thinking like that is so fucking dark. You know what I mean? That's that's not right. And Freddie said. And I, I found this so sad. He said, I, I've, I've just been witness to it so many times. It just becomes normal. And that, that isn't right. You know, nice. not, 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 not in Western developed countries where we actually pride ourselves on being quite socially liberal nowadays. You know, it's, it's not right. 
it isn't right, unfortunately, and I don't think at the same time it's going to be something that's sold overnight. I mean, it's, it's just no. the whole game we play, unfortunately, and I think that's just, like I say, a matter of where society is, rightly or wrongly. Well, wrongly, really. But let's let's try and focus on some football. Let's try and yeah. get back to... Um, like, so, yeah, so, sorry. So, no, just right, in no. sum- summary, we all need to do better towards women in the game and towards, you know, any any ethnic minority or... Um, anyone of any sexuality, we we need to do better. All of us. That that means us as journalists, us as fans, the clubs, the governing bodies, everyone. You know, yes, consistently, and that that's that. Top shots, so, yeah. Jace. I couldn't agree with you anymore. So let's um, like I say, let's look at some on pitch action because it'd be unfair to sort of not uh, yeah. go through yeah. actually what was a, a pivotal week in the Premier League. A win for Chelsea, probably one celebrated more in Liverpool. In all fairness, so. How exactly did Sari get the better of Guardiola on Saturday night? Um, oh, sort of bad, uh, quite bad, really. I've sort of blocked the actual uh, game, game out of my head pretty much. Um, I mean, it wasn't a great game, to be fair. I mean, from what I could take in the first 45 minutes, that sort of incident notwithstanding, I mean, even watching that, I don't want to crow back to that, but you just thought, that's not right. Do you know what I mean? When you see something, you think, oh, something's going to come of that. Do you know what I mean? Because it's just, just mm. so like aggressive and wrong. But anyway... Um, yeah, I think... uh, and did you see the BT Sports people's reaction? They just kind of laughed it off. Yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. What do they say? Oh, something about the Christmas card list, and you think, oh, God. Like, no, it's his ba- it, it was his birthday, wasn't it? That was it. Yes, sorry. Said, oh, not not the birthday he was probably hoping that for. Yeah. Oh, ban- ban- banter. You know what I mean? Absolute clowns. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Um, I mean, in terms of the first half, and what I saw, it was. It was getting to the point where it was two master tacticians almost mastering each other out of the game to the point where it was almost like a truce. You know what I mean? It was almost a bit too chess-like. And then Kante scored, and you thought, first, where on earth mm. did that goal come from? Especially from Chelsea General and Kante. Because, I mean, a couple of weeks back, we were saying that Kante can't play at the point of an attacking midfield, and he did exactly mm. that. We almost sort of played wider right, didn't he? And then but, got but, the goal. But then, but then we did also ask whether it was just a matter of time because obviously when we were speaking about it that it only played what like 18 19 games in that system so um but yeah we were questioning the wisdom of it so no no use in backing out on that one um yeah it's it's it was a weird one that game because i mean you know aside from the 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 off-pitch stuff but um City, I think City were, to, to me, they were relatively dominant in that game. Um, I, uh, I mean, I mean, they definitely bossed possession. I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but just from what I saw, they definitely had more shots. Um, I think it's just sort of one of those games. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, if Sarri, you, you can make you can maybe play that ninety nine times out of a hundred, and it would have been at least a draw. I yeah. think it's just one of those games, you know. I think Sane was a bit more ruthless in the first half. You know, if they go in front, I think it changes the complexion of the game completely. I think Chelsea definitely would probably yeah. have to then come out a bit more. Then they get picked off. You know, it could have been sort of two 0 to City that kind of game. But mm. I think just the way yeah. that Chelsea scored first, you thought, well, actually, there's a contest here, and I think it unnerved City. Um, I think, yeah, just. Um, I think, yeah, it was a tough one because you, if you looked on stats alone, you'd think, yeah, do you know what? Like, City were good value for at least a point. But it's just like what you say, one of those games, really. Um, yeah. And it's just changed the landscape of the Premier League. We'll get to what's happened in a minute, but I just want to go to, not South America, I want to go to Madrid 
in going to go to South America and then back to Madrid because the second leg of the Copa Libertadores was played and what a final eventually that was the second leg at least um, it's a shame it had to be played in Madrid after all the off-pitch violence and yeah. such but yeah. an incredibly uh, break-necked pace game it's almost ludicrous it was the kind of game that was the perfect ending to the weekend because it was just so nonsensical in terms of the way that it was just like back and forth back and forth um it was shaping up as if Boca were going to take it and then River equalised. There's no away goals rule, so going into extra time. And then the turning point, JS, was Wilma Barrios getting sent off. Yeah, uh, I mean, two two yellows. Um, you know, I thought it looked all right, actually, to be honest. But, yeah, I mean, that, that obviously made all of the difference. Um, definitely going into extra time, you're going to have a lot of tired players and, you know... <laughs> Try try doing that with ten men. You know what I mean. Well, One hundred. It. Yeah. It's, I mean, what I, I think both the both the late goals were in the second half of extra time, weren't they? So that's correct. You you sort of think at that point they're just going to be sort of dead men walking, or probably literally walking around the pitch at that at that you know <laughs> at that stage. You know what I mean? Yeah, because once Boca went down to ten men, obviously. The effort's getting even tougher for them. Fernando Gago then went off with, I guess, cramp, but he just had he had nothing left in the tank. So they're down to nine sure. men, and the goalkeeper literally, I'm not even joking, was playing. Oh, defense, yeah. was playing defensive midfield. It got that ludicrous, <laughs> and the Bock had almost got an equaliser, but then River sort of turned the screw and got a, a late that one. So a great game. It's a shame, like I say, it had to be played in Madrid. Yeah. At the same time, yeah. will Comedy Bowl be thinking? Well, actually, now our showpiece event is one leg. We could take this on the road, or is it because it was? so exceptional in terms of those circumstances that they, they had no choice really they didn't have a choice um i mean you uh, you actually predicted it would be, end did. up being played abroad I so did, yes. uh, kudos for that um yeah uh, you know it, it's not great is it because to be honest it, it was the it was this amazing thing where it was the first ever final between Boca and river and a brilliant chance to show, you know, Latin American football, South American football in a great light. And like I said the other week, they, they, they kind of blew it, you know. I mean, yeah, we all got to see how amazing the football is. The, the first leg was fantastic as well. It's, it's like you said, it's blood and thunder, end-to-end, free-flowing, wonderful football, you know. Um, because we're kind of used to, like like you alluded to with Sari and Pep, that kind of Premier League thing of having very, very clever managers. And I'm not saying their managers aren't clever. Of course they are. But it's almost like there's so much pressure in the Premier League. Managers will often, especially when they're playing, you know, clubs of equal stature or bigger, they'll, they'll kind of often set up not to lose you know what i mean whereas right. that that it just doesn't seem to be in the genetic makeup in south american football so it was such a lovely tonic to some of the kind of you know games we do witness in the premier league you, you know what i mean where that where they are a little bit chess matchy and they're a bit tactical and you know what i mean you kind of take chances if you get them and you're a bit more patient i, I kind of loved it. It, it it's kind of one of those fixtures where it reminds you why you fell in love with football to begin with you know just end-to-end attacking loads of skill pace and elements of craziness and unpredictability you know which which you don't get 
quite as much over here anymore. Um, but yeah, um, unfortunately, it was another thing. Not bit, not been a great couple of weeks for football, has it? Really, few weeks. You know, with that as well, where you know they were forced to play their showcase event literally on a different continent because they couldn't guarantee player safety. I mean, that that's pretty grim in 2018, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. It's just another thing on the uh, the list of, I guess, shame that's happened to football in the last month. I mean, there yeah. might, I guess there's hopefully a bit of good news, and that is the fact that Barcelona and Girona won't be playing in Miami at the start of next year. So is that Thank a weird common sense in football where at the moment there seems to be a real lack of it? Yes, that and actually, I don't. I don't know if you mentioned it last week, but the other week, um, I, I forgot to mention that, or maybe it was just the day after it got announced. But actually, we we talked a little while ago about how um, the German fans are fantastic in terms of how they really organise themselves and lead pro- protests if they don't like something in the game. So they introduced, well, shock over here, I know, but Monday night football, can you imagine? Um, and so they hated it, basically, because they saw it a bit like in England, that it would be the thin end of the wedge, where we now quite literally can have games any day of the week in the Premier League. You know, So there's no real sense of structure it's all a little bit kind of fluid and you don't really know what round of matches it is when someone plays on monday someone plays on wednesday someone plays friday saturday sunday you you know what i mean it's just kind of constant football whereas the germans felt it was kind of sacred to keep keep it at the weekends you know what i mean like a weekend activity so there's a bit more structure it's easier to get to and from games you know, without having to worry about being too knackered uh, going into work the next day. They protested and protested. I'm sure you saw some of them, Dan, um, you know, about the Monday night games. The clubs didn't like it, but it was a kind of TV thing that they introduced and accepted as part of the package. BVB, uh, or Dortmund as they're more commonly known, um, really led the protests against it and so now finally this is another bit of good news in football they've actually renegotiated it so when when it's when it gets up they won't actually have monday night football anymore in germany next week so it's back to uh friday saturday and sunday so for me that was a victory of fans over television and the modern game do you, do you know what i mean i do know what you mean and also that's really handy if you're ever planning a trip to germany to watch football in the weekend because mm. you never quite know when it's going to be played so if monday's taken out the equation at least you know you've probably got the chance of having a good weekend watching german football yeah so. I, I mean i mean there's there's some someone i follow who who is an english lad but he, he sort of developed a love of German... I mean, he's actually like a Northampton town fan and goes to them as well. But he'll he'll go a lot to German football, like a lot, as in every other weekend, pretty much. Because it is so cheap now. You can get a flight to whatever. You know, away fans in the Bundesliga get their travel paid for. Um, I, I don't know if you knew that, but it's just another amazing kind of thing about German football. And they, they, the tickets are so cheap. You know, like the season tickets, even for Bayern, you can still get them for like 130 quid and stuff like that. So once you paid for that, that's like, what, two and a bit games probably at a Premier League match? Exactly. 
I went for to, a whole season. I went to Leverkusen a few years back now. Oh, nice! Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, the, probably the best footballing weekend I've ever been on. And mm. you, you referenced like the travel. We were home fans, but we buy a match ticket, you get a free train there and back. That's that's and exactly. Like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, and mm. I think the ticket was twenty-five euros. Like, absolute nothing in the grand scheme of things. And you're watching German yep. top-tier football. Like, they just exactly. get it. They get it so much better over in Germany, don't they? Like, mm-hmm. everything. They, oh know, yeah, they absolutely do. So. And that's before you get on for to uh, things like for people like me who are filthy smokers, you can still smoke in some bars in certain uh, Bundeslanda. So happy days, all, happy days all round. So I think you've sort of half tempted me into booking another trip. Actually, <laughs> you know what I mean? Might go and watch Hamburg St. Pauli or you know Hamburg or something. Yeah. Anyway, completely gone off on tangent. Where were we? That's right. Back to the misery of the Premier League. And Liverpool have gone top. Oh, yeah. So um, mm. they made light work of a, a solid Bournemouth. Mo mm. Salah may have got the benefit of no VAR in Liverpool's opener. But it was a match ball winning performance for him. Um, yeah, he was amazing. The 16 games unbeaten now. They're at the summit. Does this ask more questions of them or Man City? Because is it a case of whether Liverpool can truly go the way, all the way? Or is it just how City reacts in defeat? Because if you look at... January the 3rd at the Etihad. That's going to be an absolutely Mm. titanic clash now. Yeah, massive. Yeah, I I saw that one. Um, Weirdly, I I still don't think Liverpool have fully hit top gear like they they had last season. I actually think, I watched most of that match. Um, It it was actually a bit closer than the scoreline suggests, especially leading up to that first goal, which, as you, you rightly said... It was definitely offside. Don't get me wrong, Liverpool went on and fully deserved that win. They were completely good value for it. But up to that point, actually, Bournemouth had a few decent chances. And do you know what I mean? They could have got the first goal. Might have been a very different match. But as it stands, I think the worrying thing for City... I think maybe Tottenham are a little bit light on bodies to mount a serious title challenge this year. Chelsea seem a little bit, uh, a little bit inconsistent. You know what I mean? Like they can turn up and you know beat beat City relatively comfortably, but then they'll lose three one to Spurs. You know the other week. You know what I mean? So I, I think next season Chelsea will be more of a challenge. The worrying thing for other clubs at the moment, somewhere near the top, is that Liverpool still haven't hit their fluid best of last year yet. And when they do, which they probably will, because if you remember, they came good um, from about January last year, didn't they? Um, when when they'd sort of firmly established Loris Karius as their number one and bought Van Dijk in. It made all the difference. And then they started to get better and better throughout the season. And honestly, they've strengthened in so many areas. I I can't see them not getting stronger this year. You know what I mean? I I think it's going to be a huge tussle between them and City. And like you said, it could even go down to two or three points. And like you said, that game is going to be massive. Yeah, I mean, it's just good we've got a real honest title race this season, isn't we? Because, I mean, this time last year, City were, you know, two furlongs ahead already and you just thought, well, it's theirs to lose and they won it by an absolute mile. So it's nice yeah. that 
it's, although sort of City are still you know at there at the top, it's just nice we have got something a bit more honest this season. But in terms of Spurs, I, I, I agree. You just sort yeah. of reference that you probably don't think they've got enough bodies. But in terms of mentality, <laughs> with them being six points behind Liverpool, do you think? Do you know what? Maybe they are catchable because if it's City, everyone builds yeah, this sort of definitely. image. Of, oh, six point City will never do it because it's City. But with it being Liverpool, do you, does the mindset change all of a sudden? Like, does Pochettino drum into his players like that is doable? Like, where do where do Tottenham see themselves in the I don't know next two months? Because if you look at their games, let's say the next ten games, and obviously football's not one on paper, but on paper they've got an incredible winnable set of matches. So can Definitely. they erode into that yeah. gap at all? Um. I hope so. I, th- I think our away form is going to be good. You, th- the problem is with Spurs, Dan. We we know this. We've followed them for years. If if you remember, I think it was about six, seven seasons ago. We we just missed out on the the top four, and I think it was that season we were like nine points ahead of Arsenal in fifth. You know, in oh, about yes, the AVB, late, wasn't it? The late, power late, shift. late, late, late March. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's never the big games that seem to cost us. We seem to do pretty well, or have done in recent years, in the bigger games. You know, i.e. Chelsea. We didn't turn up for that Liverpool game. Um, That's another story. But it's it's the games like Watford and Wolves that cost us. Do Do you know what I mean? It happens all the time. That season I was just referring to... I remember it was Wigan was still in the league and they, they got a late equaliser against us. And it's it's those games that always cost us. It's 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 whether it's whether Pochettino can convey convey you know, I, I hate that kind of winning mentality thing and all the rest of it. You know what I mean? Because they're professional players, they wanna win every game. But it's having that kind of bite, isn't it? That's what people are talking about. When, you know, you're not playing brilliantly, but you can kind of grind out a 1-0 away win against Cardiff or something. Do you know what I mean? Without kind of getting disillusioned. It's whether he can convey that confidence to the players that we can do it. We can do it this year. If he can do that and get our players to really, really believe in themselves... Why not? We've got a decent chance. You know, I, I think that Leicester result was was a fantastic win for us, you know? Yeah, it was a very professional win. I think we bounced back perfectly after the North London debacle, shall I say. But I've yeah, got a question. Two, two, two in a row since then, so yeah. I've got a question from at Mikey underscore TTID. Thanks for getting involved. He says he loves the show. Actually, I've added that bit on, but I'm sure he does. But um, he <laughs> asks, is Foyth good enough to rely on for first team football? Because I know he didn't play on Saturday, but... He's been a little bit iffy at times. Or should we be looking to strengthen Atsen's back? Because I know we've discussed Foyth a number of times, but that was before sort of the North mm. London derby. And, you know, yeah. it's just he almost gave away that penalty against Chelsea. So it is sometimes like looking through your fingertips when he plays. But there is a really good player there potentially as oh, well. Oh, I, so. I, I, I think so. And I, I think if we can get... It's, it's about somehow keeping, like... It's about keeping him and Sanchez happy whilst they're not, you know, if if, if Alderweireld and Vertonghen are fit and we're playing a back two as opposed to a back three, 
they're, they're going to still be the first choice center that pairing for obvious reasons. They, 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 they just, they just go hand in glove, those two, don't they? And Alderweireld plays better when, you know, Jan's there, at, uh, you know, playing on the left side of the pairing and all of the rest of it. I, I've seen enough in Foyth personally to think that he's going to be one of the best centre backs in the league if we can keep him happy. You know what I mean, and get him enough game time and experience so he can keep developing. I, d- I don't have too many worries about him. I, I think sometimes people forget how young some of these players are. We we can't all be City and buy an almost complete players all the time do you, do you know what i mean we can't be buying in like Emirate laporte for 50 60 million or whatever he cost or even 75 million van dyke for liverpool we 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 have to rely on a lot on pochettino's coaching ability and we sometimes forget these young players are going to be inconsistent you know what i mean they don't have the experience yet and we just have to kind of take the rough with the smooth. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I've seen enough in him to think he's going to make a top top centre back. He should get he, you know, the consistency will come with experience. You know what I mean? It's a bit like Dali Ali last year, and Pochettino had that right. He still had a very good season by any standard. If you're comparing him with normal twenty-one-year-olds, you know what I mean. He wasn't quite as good as he was the year before but the last few games he's starting to show that he's more consistent he's doing slightly less silly things and he's he's more consistent now you know what i mean yeah um, oh, sorry, the, the, well and you think about how much football he's played i don't see why that should be any different with defenders you know what i mean if you gave Foyth the amount of game time ali had had over the last two and a bit years it's not rocket science. He's going to cut the mistakes out. He's going to learn and grow and develop as a player. But in terms of raw ability, him and Davinson Sanchez have it in spades, I think. you know, And I think they could be a great centre-back pairing. Realistically, if Toby doesn't sign a new contract, he's going to have it is going to have it triggered because someone's going to take a gamble at £29 million for a centre-back that good, aren't they? Um <clears throat> You know, it's it's not great for us, but, you know, we'll have made a, a healthy £11.5 million pounds profit on him. He's helped strengthen our defence, you know, massively. And I suspect we might look at buying in someone a little bit more established with a little bit more experience and ro- rotate them a little bit, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think Foyth's sort of too good to be push further down the pecking order I think now you've almost got to start pulling the trigger a bit more and like you say that all those little issues that come with those mistakes they'll just come with game time and he's not going to benefit by being kept on the bench so I think really exactly I think he is which, which, which is which is what Pochettino did absolutely brilliantly after the Wolves game he threw him straight into the next match didn't he yeah against Palace and look he got the winner yeah. and it paid dividends so I think you just exactly yeah. you know there is a great footballer there it just happens to be that he's made a few high profile mistakes and I think exactly you'd like would like to think that with more game time they won't happen and you'll never sort of mention those things again so I think the, exactly the future looks certainly bright for Tottenham in that aspect the uh, immediate future takes them to Barcelona so 
don't Eesh. need to do Champions League previews, but I think we've got to really. It's a big uh, night with it being match day six, not just in uh, Barcelona, but also in Liverpool. So let's focus on both those mm-hmm. games. First up, Catalonia, Camp Nou. I've looked at the uh, the squad that Barcelona have um, published for tonight. They're not taking it too easy. So um, no, <laughs> what 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 can you honestly see? Because obviously we've got a match. What Inter Milan do? So if PSV win, we can lose what thirty eight nil, and we go through. That is the quirk <laughs> of head to head. That, that's exactly it. Yeah, yeah, that's all we need. So are we banking yep. on PSV to do us a, a huge favour? Maybe even a draw. I, I mean, think. What so. can you see? Yeah, I think so. Um, I I've got tonight's game down as a draw. Okay. Um, I, I I I don't see Barcelona going hell hell ever. But then, to be honest, Barcelona with Messi. <sighs> It just seems to be getting better with age. It's mad, isn't it? I mean, you just look at what he did at the weekends. Two two direct free kicks, ran the game. You know, Messi, Messi can... I mean, he could just stand stationary on a pitch and still dictate a football match. You know you know what I mean. He's that good. Um, I, I think we'll struggle to win. I, I think we might pull off an heroic draw. You know, you know what I mean? Um, what I hope desperately is in the heat of battle is that Pochettino learns from some of the European things. For example, like the Juventus match last year. We we shouldn't have been trying to get another goal and kill kill the game off. We should have gone, you know, as the Italian clubs did, as Juve did when they scored. You know what I mean? They sat back and defended their lead, which is what we need to learn how to do. We didn't do it away against Inter, and that cost us two late goals. However, we did do it last time against Inter, you know, perhaps because there was only seven or eight minutes left after Ericsson scored. Um, but I'm hoping if we do take a lead tonight, we we sort of develop a bit of steeliness and, you know, Pochettino almost develops that kind of Italian mentality that if you've got a lead, do everything to protect it. Don't push on and try and kill the game off. Definitely not away at the new camp, you know. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right to be honest, mate. I just think also time just needs to be just calm in the first 10-15 minutes. We've gone to Turin last season, played like a rabbit in the headlights. I know we sort of came back and got yeah. two all draw, but just, just nothing silly first 20, do you know what I mean? And then grow into the game. and Exactly, you, yeah. You frustrate Barcelona. And just, you never know, just break the game into like 15-minute mm-hmm. segments. And take one of them at each point and you just, you don't know, do you? I mean, obviously, <laughs> the combination results have to go our way. We've got to do our bit mm-hmm. and not just rely on PSV. But I think at the same time, we could go there with confidence. I think the fact that we're not um, playing in the dead rubber says a lot because, you know, two yeah. match days ago, it was almost doom and gloom, especially after match day three. You just thought, um, that's draws PSV. You thought, well, that's it. It's done, really. And then you're almost sort of weighing up, oh, do you know what? I think it might be better to finish fourth in the group and not be in the Europa League. Like, that was yeah. almost the mindset. <clears throat> now it's yeah. like, do you know what? Let's go for it. You know, mm. at least if we... Oh, I'm I'm really proud of how we've responded to being almost dead and buried in the group. That that gives me a lot of uh, confidence in terms of the mentality of both the the coaching staff and the the players not to give up when the chips are down. And I think that shows a lot of mental strength to do that. Um, I really feel like the Arsenal game the other week was a bit of an an, an anomaly. You know, I, I feel like. They've managed to rest pretty much most of their first team, even though they had that horror trip to 
the deepest, darkest reaches of Russia and we were still playing in London. You know, you know what I mean? But I kind of feel like the Arsenal game was a bit of a one-off. You know, I kind of feel we looked really tired in the second half of that game. Um, and I don't think that's down to our ability or even our mental strength. It's just if you don't have it in the legs, you don't have it in the legs, do you? You know, no, you can't... Right. You can't make you know, yourself run if you've got nothing in the tank. Exactly that, and I think that's what I think that's what happens, you know. And it's a young, reinvigorated Arsenal side, and they did really bloody well um, to, you know, be ruthless and finish us off like that. Um, but I feel like why I was mentioning that is that it's not a lack of skill or a mentality thing anymore. We've we've shown that we can compete with the best sides in world football now. Um, I mean, even that City game was, was, you know, we played well. You know, do, do you know what I mean? It's like, I, I feel like we've got it in us now, you know. We're, we're there or thereabouts, you know. Absolutely. I mean, like I say, the two wins have put us in good stead. Um, Liverpool, they're not over the line themselves. They've got to face Napoli. I think it's a 1-0 I win. Think win. I think, think they'll win. Do you think they'll win? Yeah. Yeah, I think I'd be, I'd be surprised if they sort of, if they didn't, I mean, will a draw they're, do, or they're, do they have they're, to they're, win? I can't. Um, no, I think I think to, to guarantee it, I think they need to win one nil or by two clear goals. That's, that's right. That's right. If they, so, lose, if they win two one, that's not good enough, is it? So no. Ooh, so jeopardy. They're very good defensively. I mean, I know Napoli can kill anyone on on the break. You know what I mean? They're, they've got brilliant, fluid players that can do that. That's Sorry's legacy. Um, I, I just think Liverpool will have a little bit too much, and we know what European nights can be like at Anfield. Right. It's such a cliche, but their fans, probably more than any other Premier League club at the moment, are really like a 12th man for them. Um, they'll know what it means. You know, yeah, yeah I'm just kind of hoping Barca. Messi will play because he always plays and he won't want to miss a Champions League game. He'll he'll want to, you know, it's that kind of eternal battle between him and Ronaldo. He'll want the all-time records, you know. Ronaldo will probably retire a year or two before him and that will give him a bit of an edge just, just because he's a couple of years older. But he'll fancy this night, you know what I mean? <laughs> He'll, he'll really fancy it against Spurs. He'll look at some of our defending recently and think, yeah, that's uh, that's me good for a hat-trick, you know. And it's it's up to us. I mean, we've got so many defensive injuries at the moment, it's actually depressing. But I, I kind of feel like if Jan and Toby can be a wall tonight, if they can put up one of those kind of performances... We've got a really good chance of stopping them. I hope Dyer, you know what? I hope Dyer has one of those kind of games like he did against Spain. Um, when was it last month? A couple of months ago, maybe. October, you, wasn't it? Yeah. You know where he just wiped out Sergio That's Ramos right. in the early moments. And then he basically admitted afterwards that he'd planned it. He said, I wanted to put down the marker. <laughs> well, that's good. That's exactly <laughs> what you want. Don't yeah. You? yeah. Set out your stall first 10 minutes. But, but did you see his reaction after the tackle? Like, what? What? How can you How can you possibly have blown up for that? You know what I mean? But he basically admitted afterwards. He knew he was going to do it. I kind of want to see him do that against someone. You know what like I mean? Busquets I, 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 or someone. Bus, yeah, Busquets. I was just going to do that. You know. 
it's shit housing on a grand level, and I wouldn't generally condone it. But as a Spurs fan, I kind of want I want him. He's a warrior, isn't he? When the chips are down, dire. I think I, I, I want him to kind of if he plays tonight, and I kind of suspect he might. Um, because they've got Busquets in the midfield, assuming he plays, he probably will. I want to kind of see him do that and take the battle to them again, you know? Yeah, I think you're right. I think he just needs just a little bit of steel, just sort of, not rough them up, but if you just, like I say, set a marker first sort of 10 minutes or something and just let them know that we're there. And yeah, you... absolutely. If if I was Pochettino, I'd be tempted to almost play all of our shit houses. You know what I mean? So I'd want to see Deli Alley on the pitch. I'd probably want to see Lamella on the pitch. You know what I mean? Maybe even if Danny Rose is fit enough, throw him in at left back because all of those players can rile an opposition. They're no Barcelona. They've they've been there. They've seen there. They've they've done it all. I mean, they've been playing that that shit housing Madrid team for the last decade. You know what I mean? Most of their players. So they'll be used to it. But I kind of feel like. It's almost like we need to ruffle them, you know. We need to ruffle them and get them out of their stride early on. Otherwise, it could be a very, very grim night for us, you know. Fingers crossed. Let's um, round things up now with our loser pool picks of the week. So, JS, yep. the streak is still alive. Um, well, who did I have last time? Oh, bloody hell. Um... <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember it's probably, it's probably Bournemouth at City or someone like that Do you know what, I think that's exactly what it was Yep, that that actually sounds very good um, I've got him in notes somewhere Yeah, I think it was So you can't have Bournemouth I think you've definitely had Fulham and Southampton in recent times So mm-hmm. um, there's a few bitty games this week there, There's not many outstanding candidates But of what's available What would you go for this week? What's your guaranteed loser banker? <laughs> Alright then, I'm going to... Um... I'm going to go a little bit bolder this week. And okay. I'm, I'm, uh, I mean, this is relatively speaking because they've not been brilliant this year, but I'm, I'm actually going to go for Burnley to lose where it Spurs. Yep, I'm going to, I'm going to back, shout. I'm going to back Spurs for once. Yeah. Yep. I think that's a solid shout. I mean, I know Burnley won at the weekend a much needed yeah. win, but yeah. Um, and they did, to be fair, they did draw Wembley last <laughs> season, but yeah, I just, they're not the same, um, Vintage Burnley, are they? I, th- I, mean, I, th- I think they'll be fine, but I, I think like that that European thing has really knocked them out of place this season, and I think they'll come good. I mean, I mean in terms of being safe, but um, yeah, I, I agree. I think we'll just have too much for them. Um, mind you, they don't have midweek European football away at Barcelona, do they? You know what I mean. So, um, you know, well, that could be a, that could be a tough one for four days, is it? Uh, yeah, where were we? Tuesday. Yeah, four days. I mean, that should that should be all right. I mean, as much as Burnley would have liked European football, that would have been probably played on a Sunday, then wouldn't it? With them being in the Europa yeah. League, but yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I just think Burnley. They sort of they just need recalibrating, really, aren't they? They've just they're, mm. they're out of sync. I mean, like I say, really important win on um, on Saturday. Yeah. It's just it's been one of the few highlights this season. But I'd 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 definitely stick with Dyche if I was there. Oh yeah, yeah. I think you I know what I mean. See... Like pe- people were actually talking about mooting sacking Dyche, and you think it's brought them up twice. Has been there for a decade or however long it is, and he's got them into Europe. You know, you know what I mean. Why would you sack him? You know. Yeah, it's nonsensical. I mean, obviously there is a lot of short termism in football, but I think he's he's earned. 
He's yeah, I, 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 I think Burnley will stick with him. Yeah, you know. I think they'd be silly to, to not to really. I think he's only be to the detriment of the club. And I don't think there's a dramatic need to, to sort of sack him, is there? It's not quite like Southampton where they're turning in real dour football when you thought something's got to change mm, here. Yeah. But um, yeah. in terms of my pick, I'm going to go with Brighton to lose at home to Chelsea. I know um, Brighton mm. have had a good run of form as of late. Obviously, they just lost to Burnley, so that form has been tempered slightly. I just think Chelsea, yeah. now they've beaten Man City, they're going to be flying. They're going to have their tails up, aren't they? And mm-hmm. um, I know Chelsea won their last season, quite comfortably by all accounts, actually. Um, I think it was back in January. Uh, one of Antonio Conte's rare good performances last season. So I think yeah. with a uh, new man at the helm won't change all that much. And I think Chelsea will be able to pull off a victory there. And my yeah. brother has radioed in and he's gone for... Everton to lose away at Man City. Now, Everton were... I don't know, were they unfortunate last night? It was a pretty decent game in the Marco Silva derby last night against uh, against Watford. But they're just, <laughs> the Marco Silva, Richarlison and derby. That's right, yeah. It, yeah. And, um, yeah, they just sort of lost away slightly, dropped to seventh. So, yeah. um, But they can always turn a good, in a good performance. This, however, will be the real acid test for City because they've, now they've lost, it's how they bounce back. And I think they will bounce back... Um, Quite oh god, they'll they'll be hungry for yeah, that exactly. one. Big time. Everyone yeah. would have faced them at the wrong time. You know, if it clicks with City, that could be three or four quite easily, couldn't it? So it's like an, a, an injured beast, and it's going to start lashing out. Um, so yeah, Everton be warned. Um, so where are we? I think yeah, we've hit the hour. I mean, apologies to um, quite a few teams this week, but in all fairness, there's been a lot more sort of pertinent issues to discuss. So. Arsenal, United, Southampton, you know, a lot of teams didn't get a mention, but it's just the way it goes some weeks. We we like yeah. to freestyle it. I mean, um, and we can... I, th- I, th- I think to be fair, the issues we covered in the early segment were some things are almost a bit more important than oh, yeah, absolutely. actual football. So, yeah, I think I think that's that's our excuse and we should stick to it. Yeah, so, I mean, and yeah. that's exactly how I wanted it to play out this week. I mean, if we don't yeah. cover every game, we don't cover every game. I think sometimes... The off-pitch stories are ones that discussed more than the on-pitch. You know, we can. There's only so many weeks you can talk about Palace's goal drought or David. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like you, sometimes you, you need that, and I think we're, we're no worse for it. So, um, so yeah, JS, like to say thank you for an excellent hour. I really enjoyed that. I've really enjoyed me too, Dan. And, yeah, um, thanks so much for having me as always. That's all right. I guess are we in that sort of time of the year where I can wish you happy holidays? Are we there yet, or am I too early? Um, okay. uh, a little bit too early. Okay, I'll hold fire on that one. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure I get on before Christmas. Perfect. Excellent. I will leave you to it then. So, Perfect. JS, thanks as always. We'll speak soon. And with that Cheers, said, Dan. not a problem. With that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. This is the Real Football Cast in association with Loser Paul. And until next time, goodbye. Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. 
No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.